From Brennan to the Boca Chill, from Lamy to La Push, and from the lordly Sawduck to lovely Duckabush. From Samish to Sammamish, Suquamish to Quillacine, the climate is so friendly, it's a land that's evergreen. Hello, and welcome to the History of the Evergreen State podcast. I'm your host, John C., and thank you for joining me today for episode 49, Premies on the Pay Streak. The Alaska-Yukon Pacific Exposition, the Evergreen State's first World's Fair, was held in Seattle on the grounds of the University of Washington campus from the 1st of June to the 16th of October of 1909 and attracted more than 3 million visitors. The pay streak was located in the middle of the AYP Exposition's midway area. It offered a bewildering selection of carnival rides, souvenirs, beverages, and quasi-educational exhibitions, all of which were available for a fee. These last ones concerned the portrayal of human beings in varied degrees of their purportedly natural environments, going about their allegedly regular routines. A living human baby was used as the passive performer in the Baby Incubator exhibit, which introduced fairgoers to an early version of mechanical-controlled environments for the benefit of premature infants. The exhibit demonstrated applied science in the nursery decades before such technology was commonly integrated into neonatal care in hospitals. From the 1896 Berlin Exposition onward, baby incubator exhibits were a regular feature on exposition midways. Similar concessions were made available to visitors to the Trans-Mississippi and International Exposition in Omaha in 1898, the Pan-American Exposition in Buffalo in 1901, the Louisiana Exposition in St. Louis in 1904, and the Lewis and Clark Exposition in Portland in 1905, among other venues. In most of these, including the Lewis and Clark Exposition, the Baby Incubator exhibit was overseen by Dr. Martin County, who was widely regarded as the world's leading promoter of baby incubator sideshows at the expositions. The county's Baby Incubator exhibit at Luna Park in New York's County Island was open from 1903 to 1943 and was the first of its kind. Despite the fact that the AYP's Baby Incubator exhibit shares a strong physical resemblance to County's Baby Incubator shows, no relationship between County and the AYP has been established of yet. According to an announcement published in the Seattle Daily Times on the 14th of February 1909, the Baby Incubators will be on display during the exposition, as will W.H. Barnes and Princess Trixie, the schooled horse. Apparently, neither fairgoers, including visiting physicians, nor members of the local medical community were outraged by the display of human infants on the pay streak midway. The infant electrobator concession at Luna Park in West Seattle was already a permanent, or at the very least seasonal, baby incubator exhibit. An electrobator was a type of incubator that was heated by electrical current. The existence of any further information regarding this concession, where newborns must have been frightened by the clatter of the wooden roller coaster and calmed by the calliope melody from the surrounding carousel, appears to have been lost to time. It's probable that the AYP display and the one in Luna Park were both related in some way at some point. The incubator was designed by French physician Alexander Lyon, which was patented in 1889, was frequently used in infant incubator presentations at expositions. Compared to the infant incubators used in modern neonatal intensive care facilities, these incubators were significantly less expensive. The incubators at the AYP did nothing more than regulate the temperature inside the unit and draw in fresh air from outside for ventilation. 
They would have been advantageous to healthy preemies who did not require any special care other than constant heating. It was not possible to help babies who couldn't breathe on their own with the incubators on display at fairs and expositions at the time, and there was no therapy available for such youngsters at the time and for many decades afterward. The AYP baby incubator exhibit appears to have had no deaths, and it is unlikely that babies who did not have a very good prognosis would have been placed on display, if for no other reason than to avoid terrible public relations if they did not live. In comparison, the Seattle Department of Health reported 33 premature birth deaths throughout the city throughout the course of the AYP out of a total of 64 deaths linked to that cause in the city during the same period in the previous year. As a result of this good fortune, the incubator babies did not suffer the same fate as the children displayed on the pike at the Louisiana Purchase Exposition, where an epidemic of contagious diarrhea among the infants claimed the lives of nearly half of those who were exposed to it. Concessions for the pay streak were obtained early on, and the baby incubator exhibit was one of the first to be secured. The Alaska Yukon magazine published a list of concessions that were already signed in April 1908, which included the Eskimo Village and the appointment of Frank H. Noel as official AYP photographer, among other things. On the contract, the Nye Sharer Company, New York, was listed as a party who signed it. Known for manufacturing the Lyon-style newborn incubator, Nye Shearer was a surgical supply firm with an office in Jamaica, New York that had a branch in the city. Emmy Fisher was in charge of the AYP baby incubator exhibit at the AYP Expo. The family of M. Edward Fisher, his wife Laura, and son Henry were registered in the 1910 federal census at 4312 10th Avenue Northeast, now Roosevelt Way Northeast, which was only a few blocks away from the pay streak. Fisher worked for a surgical instrument manufacturer, according to the census records. Also, according to those same records, if this was truly the Emmy Fisher who was in charge of the baby incubator exhibit, he was still a Bellevue resident in 1920 when census takers enumerated him. He's the big-hearted and genial chap who stands in loco parentis for all of the world's little weaklings that are offered to him. The Seattle Star, the city's most salacious daily newspaper at the time, gushed about Fisher, claiming that, he has had his incubators at every exposition since the incubator principle was tested and found to be good. Although it is unlikely that Fisher was present at other expositions while working as a product sales representative for Nye Shearer, this assertion almost surely relates to the incubators and not to Fisher himself. Fisher is not referred to as a physician, which is notable. For example, during this time period, the infant incubator company at Coney Island's Dreamland Amusement Park advertised in the Billboard, a trade magazine for theatrical professionals, including sideshow and midway performers, that they were selling baby incubators, complete installations as operated by us, for sale to hospitals and amusement parks. A Dr. S. Fischel was identified as the point of contact and he had previously been in charge of the Dreamland incubator display in 1911 when that park was destroyed by a horrific fire in which some of the babies were initially claimed to have perished. The resemblance in names between the AYP's Fisher and Dreamland's Fischel appears to be coincidence, but it is nonetheless intriguing to consider. The attendants at the baby incubator exhibit were billed as medical professionals, and it's possible that they were. A display advertisement in the Seattle Star announced, We save the lives of newborns, leading children's physicians, highly qualified nurses, every surgical appliance and medical appliance always on hand, according to the advertisement. The baby incubator exhibit, like the Igorot Village and Eskimo Village concessions, drew a steady stream of news coverage throughout the fair. 
For the most part, this news coverage consisted of breathless reporting on the progress of numerous babies, each of whom was identified only by his or her given name. The babies were portrayed as small, feisty prize fighters who, with the assistance of their incubators, were able to fight a bottle not only frequently but throughout the entire three-minute rounds. The piece closed with a virtual leap forward. Daily, fresh young ones are being born into incubators, and with each one that arrives, there is a narrative of heart interest to ignite the most passionate hearts. By the middle of the exposition's run, it was presumed that newspaper readers were familiar with the incubator babies' names and had been following their adventures. It was reported in the Seattle Daily Times under the headline, New Subject for Baby Incubator, that the recent graduation of Catherine and the adoption of Dorothy have created no end of comment and discussion among the visitors. Little Tony, who graduated from the incubator, will spend the summer on a ranch near Rockford with her adopted mother. Several children, including Little Guy, Fanny, Charles, Marguerite, Mabel, and Harry were placed in an incubator on August 15, 1909, according to the New York Times. They were beginning on a modest route to life and success. Paid display commercials kept the public's attention focused on the baby's alleged battle while emphasizing the concession's capacity to disseminate scientific information. Babies have a fighting chance in this world. The baby incubators are a type of incubator used to grow babies. The AYP's most popular exhibit is the one with the most heart interest. A lesson for fathers as well as an education for moms. On July 9, 1909, the Seattle Daily Times published an advertisement for the company. A more succinct advertising appeared in the Seattle Post-Intelligencer on the 10th of June with the headline, We Save the Lives of Babies. This appeared just beside a larger advertisement for the Igorot Village which boasted 50 headhunters. The Paystreak spectacles appeared to cover a wide range of interests. The Paystreak area of the fairgrounds was frequently the busiest, loudest, and most crowded area of the grounds. In a two-story neoclassical pavilion with iconic columns and ornamental pilasters and window moldings, the Baby Incubator exhibit was located on the lower end of the South Paystreak between the Temple of Palmistry and the Gold Camps of Alaska. Though it's likely that the palmistry concession was a peaceful neighbor, the Gold Camp's boisterous Wild West performance and pan-for-gold activities had to have interfered with the tranquil nursery ambiance that had been curated in the incubator viewing room. Fairgoers filed into this viewing area to observe the Leone incubators, which were arranged against the wall in front of them. Patrons were separated from the incubators, which were enclosed, heated, and ventilated glass boxes in where the babies slept cocoon and blankets, which were divided by a rail. According to the Seattle Daily Times, some of the small ones are sleeping, while others are resting in virtually inert positions, and others, who are making rapid progress in their development, wail and fidget just like healthy newborns born at maturity. A group of female attendants in nurse uniforms and a man attendant in a white lab coat stood ready to assist the patients. Light and air were let in through the high transom windows. Using stencils, an ivy motif was stenciled into the ceiling. It was decided that live potted palms should be planted between each incubator. Weight-bearing support columns were constructed to look like palm trees. Periodic lectures on incubator technology and other areas of scientific newborn care were given by Fisher and many others. However, although the exposition grounds were closed to the public at midnight, many people were present throughout the night, including guards in the various buildings, firemen, and emergency hospital staff, cleaning crews, teamsters making deliveries, and many of the performers who were part of the pastry. There were probably bedrooms in the non-public upstairs section for the incubator infants and their caregivers. 
as well as quarters for the babies in the incubators themselves. Baby care, despite the fact that they had become relatively renowned as a result of their passive performance in the incubator exhibit, included the numerous tedious activities associated with infant care such as bathing, weighing, feeding, and changing diapers. A shot taken from the back of the baby incubator exhibit building depicts an open porch area with a laundry line of diapers drying in the breeze, which is documented in several other photographs. I'll be sure to share one of these on the Facebook page, so be sure and check it out. It's impossible to determine the real size and age of the infants portrayed in vintage images of the concession. They appear to be of similar size and age. While one baby photographed by Frank Noel appears to be almost too huge to be squeezed into the incubator in which he rests, another baby photographed in an open bassinet in the exam room appears to be healthy and strong. Compared to the AYP pictures, images of incubator babies from early American expositions depict infants who are noticeably smaller in stature. Infants of a larger size would have theoretically had a better chance of survival, yet it is possible that very little infants would have wowed the audience instead. If the AYP's incubator babies were noticeably larger than their premature counterparts at other fairs, it's possible that their multi-ethnicity was the main attraction. The diverse ethnic backgrounds of the AYP incubator babies received a great deal of attention. They were described as hustling little youngsters of every nation by the Seattle Star, who described them as a tiny little Siwash boy from Kitsap County, a blue-eyed little Swede girl, little Oyusha-san, the daintiest little Japanese maid that was brought over from a strawberry ranch near Bellevue, and too much premature Ralph with all the fighting ability of an Irishman and the constitution of one as well. The Seattle Daily Times published an article on the 18th of July, 1909, describing the American, English, Indian, Italian, Swedish, Syrian, and Russian are among the nationalities represented on the registration of the Incubator Institute. A Japanese infant is expected on a daily basis. It was not exactly clarified in the newspaper article how a premature birth may be expected on a daily basis in this case. Later that month, a much-publicized Children of All Nations dinner was held in honor of the many children who were living and working on the pastry at the time of the dinner. According to the Seattle Daily Times, Siwash Jack, the Indian incubator baby, three months old, was brought to the table by his nurse, raising the question of whether Jack required the incubator or whether the incubator exhibits ticket sales required Jack's presence. In an article published on the 21st of August, the Seattle Daily Times announced that Fisher's Baby Incubators had won third place for most curative in the Parade of All Nations on Pastreek Day, which took place the same day as the article was published. Several of the babies on display in the incubator exhibit may have been foundlings, and at least a few of these were reported to have been adopted during the course of the fair. After being evaluated by the personnel as being large and strong enough, the babies graduated from the usual nursery and were either relocated to the exhibit's day nursery or removed from the show, with more babies joining the concession to take their places in the meantime. It is difficult to evaluate the reality of graduate adoptions that are reported in the newspapers due to the fact that King County adoption data is still confidential. The Seattle Daily Times reported on the 4th of July, 1909, that little tiny mites are cared for in these machines until they become mature and physically strong enough to be returned to their parents, despite the fact that no specific stories about non-foundling incubator babies were published in the local press. Observers who took photographs of the exterior of the baby incubator exhibit definitely documented a sign that stated cafe on one of the building's sides. This feature appears to be exclusive to the AYP concession. 
medical historians who have researched infant incubator shows since their debut have found no indication of cafe characteristics in any other exposition's incubator exhibits to this point. The baby incubator concession is depicted in a period photograph with a group of what appears to be waiters clustered outside the door marked cafe, but extensive research in AYP exposition archival materials has so far revealed no menu for the cafe, nor do period newspapers mention the dining experience there, nor is the cafe mentioned in any of the exhibit's numerous display advertisements for the baby incubator concession. Considering the deafening quiet, one has to wonder whether food and drink were available for purchase at the exhibit. Perhaps the term cafe was chosen in jest in order to refer to a viewing room where the newborns were fed by bottle. Many other expositions had babies breastfed by wet nurses in secluded locations away from the public eye, which was also a possibility for the Seattle babies due to the absence of efficient artificial formulas available at the time of the exhibit. If wet nurses were employed, it's possible that they took their own nursing infants with them to the event. Another baby incubator exhibit element that appeared to be exclusive to the AYP was the option of hourly paid babysitting, which was supposedly the first of its kind. In an article published soon before the exposition opened, the Seattle Daily Times noted, A nursery is operated in conjunction with the baby incubator, and infants may be checked at this location where they will be under the supervision of qualified nurses. With the presence of a cafe and a daycare service, along with what appears to be the robust nature of infants who appear in period photographs and the extensive publicity surrounding their diverse ethnic backgrounds, it is possible that the AYP Baby Incubator exhibit was more concerned with making money than with meeting a life-saving medical need. The public saw, as promised by the electric sign across the top of the concession's facade, baby incubators with living infants which was visible from the street. The topic of whether or not the infants chosen for display at the AYP required or benefited from the scientifically regulated surroundings in which they were housed remains an unanswered question. According to the 1911 Secretary's Report of the Alaska-Yukon-Pacific Exposition, Emmy Fisher's Infant Incubator Exhibit earned $7,200 in gross receipts, resulting in an estimated $1,650 in revenue for the AYP. At a cost of 25 cents per person, that would imply that 28,800 tickets for the concession were purchased. When considering the possibility that the cafe was in fact an actual restaurant, some of these proceeds were almost certainly generated by the sale of food and beverages, while another portion was almost certainly generated by the hourly childcare service. Immediately following the completion of the AYP, Seattle Health Commissioner James Edward Crichton contacted the Finance Committee of the Seattle City Council to propose that the city purchase one or more of the baby incubator exhibits, which were on display at the time. Health Commissioner J.E. Crichton believes that the city emergency hospital should be equipped with a baby incubator, such as the one that was on display at the Alaska-Yukon-Pacific Exposition. Dr. Crichton believes that the use of an incubator will save the lives of many babies, according to the Seattle Times. The City Emergency Hospital, which had 65 beds, was housed in the same building as the city offices, the police department, and the city jail. Obstetrical cases were accommodated in four separate beds. The city hospital provided care for people in need, including those who were referred to as charity cases or those who were unable to pay their bills. The Finance Committee appears to have agreed to fund the incubator purchase, which resulted in the purchase of a machine that had originally been purchased for the fair but had been kept as a backup. As documented by the Seattle Times in a story published under the headline, City Hospital Takes Incubator Baby, Equipment Stored at Exposition During Fair Period, Transferred to Municipal Building. 
Baby Stewart, born yesterday afternoon and weighing three pounds, was taken to the city emergency hospital today and placed in an incubator obtained from the exposition grounds but left unused during the fair period. According to the story, the incubator was obtained at a significantly lower cost than what would have been possible on the open market for the same product. Baby Stewart, Bernard Stewart, son of George W. and M. Butler Stewart of Tacoma, did not do as well as the other babies on display at the AYP, despite his parents' best effort. Bernard Stewart, who was born on the 22nd of October 1909, while his parents were in town, died on the 6th of November 1909 at City Hospital after a patient and sincere fight on the part of every nurse and every surgeon at the hospital to keep the infant alive. As early as 1948, the Providence Hospital in Seattle had five incubators that were equipped with oxygen therapy. Incubators were already in use in other Seattle-area hospitals with nurseries at the time, or they were being introduced shortly afterward. In addition to the Deaconess, St. Luke's, and Sacred Heart Hospitals in Spokane, incubators were installed at their facilities by 1948. Increasing numbers of Evergreen State hospitals were outfitted with newborn intensive care units by the early 1970s, which featured sophisticated incubator technology comparable to that found in today's neonatal intensive care units. If you're enjoying the show, please leave a 5-star review and don't forget to subscribe so that you never miss a new episode. Sources for this episode include multiple editions of the Seattle Star, the Seattle Times, and the Seattle Post-Intelligencer, the University of Washington Digital Collections, the Alaska-Yukon Pacific Exposition by Images of America, HistoryLink.org, the Spokane Spokesman Review, and From the Hills, an autobiography of a pediatrician by John Zahorsky, M.D. Thank you for listening to Episode 49, Premies on the Paystreak. A special Episode 50 will be released next week and will start a look back at the three fires I covered in Episode 1. A special thanks goes out to Al Hirsch for providing the music for the podcast. If you have any questions about the show, please contact historyoftheevergreenstatepod at gmail.com. Thank you for listening to another episode of the History of the Evergreen State podcast. And until next time, I'm your host, John C. Stay safe out there, everyone. There's peace on the Skokomish, on the Queets and on the Hull. There's calm on the Nisqually, born of ageless ice and snow. A land that nature loves so much, she stays the whole year round. I trade a royal palace for a shack on Puget Sound. There's Chimicum and Stillicum, where spouts the gooey duck. The singing still a Guamish and the swirling skookum chuck and Moclips and Copalis where the razor clams abound. A little bit of heaven is a shack on Puget Sound. A little bit of heaven is a shack on Puget Sound. <laughs>